You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you're indeed Locked On Magic. Today is April 15th, 2019. My name is Philip Rostenreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. And of course, follow me on Twitter at R underscore OMD. On today's podcast, we'll clean up some last-minute things from Game 1, begin to think about Game 2 and what's going to have to change and what the Magic are going to have to do to get a win in Game 2. We'll talk a little bit more about that on tomorrow's episode as well. And then I'm going to go ahead and open up the Orlando Magic Daily Mailbag real fast, answer some kind of bigger-picture questions now that the Magic have made the playoffs and what direction the team might go beyond this playoff series. We don't want to think about that too much because we are in the midst of a playoff series. Magic Force do lead that playoff series 1-0, and there's a lot to play for in the present, but I do want to keep all that in mind. I said I would open the mailbag, so I will go ahead and do that today. But before we do any of that, I want to remind you all that you can check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network by searching on iTunes for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Just like there's a podcast covering the Orlando Magic with excruciating detail, There's a podcast covering every single team in the NBA with the same level of care and detail. Want to get the lowdown on the Toronto Raptors? Check out our good pal Sean Woodley, who hosts Locked On Raptors. Want the national perspective? Locked On NBA has you covered, as well as Locked On Fantasy Basketball for the fantasy perspective. The whole entire NBA playoffs are covered completely on the Locked On Podcast Network by local experts covering their teams. They know their teams better than everyone. They go daily, just like we do here on Locked On Magic. The best way to stay up to date and ready on the NBA playoffs is truly with the Locked On Podcast Network. Download your favorite podcast on iTunes or search on the Himalaya app. Subscribe and search on the Himalaya app. Get podcasts delivered directly to your mobile device, including suggestions and podcast playlists too. It's all found on the Himalaya app, the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. The Orlando Magic uh, held, uh, it sounded like, uh, I'm not in Toronto, obviously, but the Orlando Magic held a mini practice slash walkthrough at, in their hotel at, in Toronto uh, as they get some rest after game one and get ready for game two. And and really, the, the big you know uh, the big part of the narrative going on is this Magic team seemingly having a chip on its shoulder. It's a team that, frankly, has flown completely under the radar in a lot of ways as they don't have any national television appearances. They didn't have one until the last game of the season. And then, of course, game one of the NBA playoffs was their second game on ESPN all year. Tuesday's game against Toronto is going to be their first game on TNT since, I'm pretty sure, since Dwight Howard was on the Magic. I mean, it doesn't mean maybe a lot to the players, but it certainly means a lot to the fans. And, you know, there's there's this narrative coming out that the Magic have been overlooked and, and, and looked past and and all that, and, and that's partially true, and, and I think DJ Augustin really summed it well after the game. It's like, you know, we are a team that it wasn't supposed to be here. Everyone said we weren't supposed to be here, that we weren't here, to, we weren't going to make it here. We've had to push aside all those doubts and prove everyone wrong, and certainly the Magic are doing that. But the larger narrative, the larger storyline that's going to develop now, and again, we'll talk a little bit more about this coming up, but the larger storyline now is what happens next. The larger storyline is, okay, the Magic were able to win game one, but it was, again, a game where the Magic had a 16-point lead, which may not mean very much, but they had a 16-point lead in the second quarter and gave it up. It's a game where Kyle Lowry shot 0-7 for from the floor, despite having a very solid game elsewhere, 8 assists, 7 rebounds. It's a game where the Magic couldn't get their best players, Nikola Vucevic and Aaron Gordon, and to some extent, Evan Fournier, 
or and certainly Terrence Ross going. It's a game that, while the Magic were able to scratch and claw and get themselves a win, it's a game that still leaves a lot of questions. Steve Clifford put it the most blunt of, of anyone that could, saying, if we play offense the way we played offense in game one, we're not going to win again. He pointed out that Lowry did have a good game outside the three-point shooting, and Toronto had a poor three-point shooting game. This is one of the best three-point shooting teams in the league. They missed a lot of three-pointers. They got some good looks that they missed. They went on kind of spurts with their three-point shooting. That's when they really took control of the game, that 22-2 run over the second and third quarters especially. So Orlando has its work cut out for it. They're up 1-0 in the series. No one's going to take that away from them. But this is still a team that has to kind of grind its grind and tinker a little bit. And to me, that's the real storyline now. That's the real kind of puzzle that the Magic have to figure out. They have to find a way to get Nikola Vucevic going because DJ Augustin's not going to score 25 points again, most likely. Danny Green was switched on to him defensively, and he did a great job suffocating Augustine throughout much of the second half. Remember, 19 of those 25 points came in the first half. Five of the six he scored in the second half came in that final minute, that layup to tie the game, and then the three to win it. So that's, to me, not a super reliable source of offense. And as I think we all kind of kind of thought would be the case, Aaron Gordon found it difficult to get going. And I think the Raptors did a good job forcing him into isolation plays where he's not beating Kawhi Leonard for the most part. Um, Orlando's got to find a way to generate offense and get paint touches. I think a really telling and big stat in that game. The Magic had 19 assists as a team. It was the first time the Magic had fewer than 20 assists in any game since January 9th when they came home from that West Coast trip against the Jazz. The Raptors forced them into an isolation team, into a one-pass-and-shoot team, and that's not going to win games. I, I hate to say the Magic stole a game because I think their defense was fantastic. I think the Magic did a lot of really good things. But it does feel like the Magic stole that game. And I, I've been talking to a lot of people about it, and, and I think that game one, the more you, the more I think about it, it was a game that that cut, that was weird, and cut the team in both ways. Now, on one hand, the Magic survived a great game from Kawhi Leonard and Pascal Siakam. They should do a lot better. You would hope that they'll do a lot better against them in future games. On the other hand, Toronto missed a lot of open shots, and Kyle Lowry's not going to go 0 for 7 again. On one hand, DJ Augustin was fantastic. On the other hand, probably going to get stifled defensively. Nikola Vucevic is probably due for a better game. Uh, Aaron Gordon's probably due for a better game. Um, all those, you know, Terrence Ross certainly due for a better game. There's a lot of little things going on. And, and, and of course, it's a series. It's a very small sample size anyway. But it really feels like to me, game two, you almost wipe the slate completely clean. Orlando's got one in the hand. They're, they're plus one, I suppose. But it really feels like Game 2 is going to be a, a, a complete reset to the series. And I think both teams are going to come out and play a little bit more the way we expect them to. Look, the bottom line is Orlando's not going to win many games where they shoot 40% from the floor. They they were, you know, unlike Toronto, on fire from beyond the arc. They hit a lot of threes. They were very good from the three-point line. And that was a huge difference in the game. 
But I will say this about the Magic, and, and, and I think this is the most important thing. The Magic's defense was on point for most of the night. There are some there were some times that they slipped, but they're always able to reel it back. And and honestly, the one thing that Steve Clifford has always said, defense will travel to the postseason. And the Magic were playing extremely hard. As as hard, not not always as efficient, not always as crisp, but hard. They were making second efforts. They were making plays that, again, gave them that chance to win. And and I think as long as Orlando's doing that, as long as Orlando is scrambling well defensively and, and playing good defense, they will give themselves a chance to win games in the series. Now, whether they'll be able to execute and whether they'll be able to pull them out, that, I think, is, the, is one of the big parts of this series. So, the work has begun. The Magic will get another day of practice on Monday before Tuesday's Game 2. And the work really has begun to, to really kind of not right the ship, so to speak, but to make sure the Magic stay in control. I will say this, and, and I think it was easy to sense this. Toronto did not play their best game in Game 1. Neither did Orlando, but Orlando, it felt like, had to do a whole bunch of things right to win that game. Toronto did a lot of things wrong, did a lot of things that they, you know, need eventually. But they still had the chance to win the game. Orlando, you could say the same, I guess, about Orlando, I suppose. But it felt like Orlando did a lot more right than wrong, and Toronto did a lot more wrong than right in that game. So game two is going to be very, very interesting. I think that the sense that I've gotten from, from you know, listening a little bit to Raptors Twitter and, and following the Raptors people that I follow, they're not panicked. Yes, the Raptors to the nation kind of hilariously lost another game one. They're very terrible in game ones. We know this. But the sense that I get from, from the Raptors fans is, so what? So what? We're fine. Orlando's got to copy that performance. We know we can play better. And I think that is a fair statement. So if you're kind of on the flip side of that, on the magic side of things, the magic can't act like they've won anything. They can't act like they're in control of the series now or they're the clearly better team, that they're the favorites, so to speak. Orlando has to stay as hungry, stay as prepared, and stay as ready for anything. They got to stay humble at this point. Yes, downtown Orlando was a blast. Uh, I was watching, I've seen all the videos. I, I was uh, actually, from where my day job is, across the street from Wall Street, we were able to wa- I was able to watch the reactions live. Fans certainly should feel excitement about this team and the potential that it has right now. But to be sure... The Magic haven't done anything yet. And to act like they have, it would be a a folly. Because I think Toronto's going to come out really ready to play on Tuesday night. And Tuesday night, like I said, is going to be a completely different ball game. And I'm really excited to see how the Magic adjust and react, how the Raptors adjust and react, because it's going to be a fun game. We'll have more on Game 2 tomorrow. I'll list out my keys to the game and what I think the Magic will have to do to get that victory and go up 2-0 in the series before the series shifts to Orlando. Uh, that game will tip off Friday. 
Um, but obviously a lot, a lot, a lot of work to do for the Orlando Magic as they get ready for Game 2 Tuesday night. With that in mind, with a few days to, to get us going, um, I, I wanted to take a moment, and, and, and I'm still working on the post, so you'll see it on orlandomagicdaily.com probably Monday. Um, I wanted to take a moment and answer some of your questions, whether big big picture questions, small picture questions, now that the Magic have made the playoffs. Whether we, we want to sort of admit to it or not, or, or, or acknowledge it or not, this is a very nice way station for the team. Um, it's a benchmark that they've accomplished. You know, for, for fans, it's been six or seven long years to get to this point. And I, I wouldn't say that Magic fans are simply happy to be here. But I think we can all agree, objectively, that this season has far exceeded our expectations and is a success no matter what happens the rest of the way. Honestly, winning that game at Toronto, making sure that this wasn't a sweep, which some people believed it would be, feels like a victory in and of itself. I, I would maybe go a step further I believe the Magic have to win Game 3. Emotional, packed game, on your home court. Amway Center is going to be the loudest it's ever been for a Magic game uh, during Game 3. That game has to be a win. And if you can win it in a blowout, even better. But again, that's, that's a little... For this specific series, it's a little further into the future. I don't want to go too crazy on that. But I will say this. I, I do think that this was an important goal to reach. I've been saying that for several years. And I'm very excited to see how the Magic turn this season into whatever they're going to turn it, turn it into next. To be sure, and I don't want to linger on some of the summer decisions that have to be made, to be sure, there are big decisions to be made this summer. And you would hope that the totality of information that the Magic have gathered on those decisions will help them inform the decision rather than a hot or cold streak in this playoff series. Again, Small sample sizes versus larger sample sizes. Having said that, the playoffs and this series will reveal some of the weaknesses of this team. If there's one thing the playoffs are very good at, it is revealing all your team's weaknesses. It is exposing them bare and seeing how how much you can work around them or overcome them at the end of the day. You learn exactly what your team needs to improve on. Like I said, game one was a weird game. I think game two will be very different. So we're not going to make those conclusions about the Magic quite yet. But I did open up the Orlando Magic Daily Mailbag and did get a few questions that I do want to uh, address here at this particular moment of time. And of course, you can see my full answers on orlandomagicdaily.com. It'll be posted sometime Monday. Jamek Foster from Facebook asked me, if we make the playoffs, obviously asked us before we made the playoffs, does that mean the rebuild is over? Uh, I have been a proponent of the belief, and I think uh, I think John Hammond and Jeff Waltman have, have at least hinted at this, if not said it outright. Making the playoffs is an important goal. It is a good thing for the organization. It, it, it is a benchmark to check off. It is it is certainly a sign of what this team can be. But I still believe that the results of this season really play no bearing or, or very little bearing on the ultimate long-term vision of the franchise. 
if saying that making the playoffs would quote unquote end the rebuild. And and I think, you know, when you get into terms like rebuild, you're always building. You're always thinking and trying to find new ways to get better. So it, that may, you know, we use that term a lot, but but maybe it's a little misleading. But I would say if the magic felt that the quote-unquote rebuild was over just for by making the playoffs, we'd be sitting here, no doubt, re-signing Nikola Vucevic. We'd be sitting here, no doubt, signing Terrence Ross. They would think that this team is ready-made to go and get better. To me, though, the results of this season, how the Magic ultimately end this season, will play little, little effect on the team's long-term goals. Now, Nikola Vucevic, obviously, an unrestricted free agent, so is Terrence Ross. I'm sure if the Magic want to keep them, want to re-sign them in the summer, that that they have a price and a length in mind, but they know they're not willing to step over that price, to step over that line. And I think that is the right approach with this group. This is still an extremely young group. They snuck into the playoffs as the seventh seed. 42 wins, though. Huge accomplishment. There are a lot of huge accomplishments. The Magic, you know, if if the number one goal this year was to establish a, a sort of culture and way of playing, Steve Clifford did that this year. Now, granted, momentum is the next day's pitcher, but I think you can see in the playoffs just how much that that mentality has taken root. And I don't think the Magic should flip over an entire roster. I don't think that they should, you know, kind of push all in in free agency or or do something drastic like they did the last time they had a at least quasi-successful season. They should be looking for ways to get better and continue to make the team better. But honestly, the best way for this team to get better is internal improvement. It's Aaron Gordon at 23 years old getting better. It's Jonathan Isaac at 21 years old getting better. Now, are the Magic going to trade veterans to free up playing time for Markel Fultz and Mobamba? I don't believe that's the case. I believe that they believe I believe that they think that they'll play those two when they are both ready to play. When they're both ready to play more, when they're ready to take on bigger responsibilities. So those veteran players the Magic have now, like Nikola Vucevic and DJ Augustin, they're probably not going anywhere. So Orlando is certainly happy to be in the playoffs. They certainly think that they're moving in the right direction again, and they have a tangible reward for that movement. But are they then satisfied? Are they done? Do they think that this is their team? No. I think they recognize and understand there's still work that has to be done. There's still tough decisions to be made, and They may take a step back next year. We'll see. But certainly, the rebuild is not over simply because they made the playoffs. This was a way station. This was a a part of... a part of of the franchise or part of uh, what they needed to do. But they still obviously have work they have to do. And I think that gets to another interesting question I got from Stephen Keller. He emailed emailed me at omagicdaily at gmail.com. 
Uh, I, I'm, he, he says, quote, I'm curious if you dug into Jeff Weltman's philosophy. I've heard him say that he doesn't use certain buzzwords like culture and identity, but he's more focused on the desired behaviors and steps necessary to achieve desired results. Have you heard him explain more about his philosophy or know where he got these ideas from? Um, you know, I, I think that the idea of culture and, ident- and identity and, and some of those like kind of buzzwords are that are just that they're kind of words that have entered organizational lexicon and it's not just in the NBA I think I think it's it's stolen from business from business side um you know I think Sam Hinkie had a lot of influence in this and in the way we discuss those Philadelphia 76ers um the Warriors certainly do I think they talk a lot about organizational culture um I know the Seahawks do under Pete Carroll about the kind of culture that they build um but again it's sort of corporate speak um it, it's it's something that is somewhat borrowed from the business world in that it is a kind of catch-all word to describe something that's really sort of indescribable. And I think Jeff Weltman's reluctance to use that word is he doesn't want something defined in a certain way. Or he doesn't want it associated with you know, a certain process perhaps. And that word was used intentionally. But I do think that there is a a, a culture and identity that that Jeff Waltman wants. Um, I, I think that, you know, I think John Hammond said in an interview recently that that part of what has worked with the Magic this year is Steve Clifford and Jeff Waltman share very similar philosophies about what a team should be. They, they really click click on that level. They think teams should be hardworking, defensive-minded like this. They should look to share the ball. They should, you know, they, they should do all these things and play for each other and, and kind of build themselves up the way that this Magic team has built itself up. Certainly, you look at Weltman's drafting philosophy. He likes length. He likes physical... He, looks, he likes certain physical attributes, but... It also looks like he likes a certain kind of tough-minded, composed, level-headed player. A guy like DJ Augustine. A guy like, to some extent, Aaron Gordon, I think is it fits that mold. And so there is a little bit of that developing. And I think I think that is there's something to that. The guys that 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 he signed, like a Jonathan Simmons, who, you know, is supposedly a serious, tough-minded, defensive individual. Um, you know, a guy like Jonathan Isaac, you know, very humble kid. And so I think that that is part of what he wants to build. You know, he's really, he really started from scratch with this group. Completely rebuilt the organization. And I think we're, and I think culture is not just about the players on your team. It's about the, the, the whole organization around them. And so we're seeing a, team that has a that that seems very collaborative as far as the kinds of people and 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 methods that they're bringing in outside of the basketball court certainly on the basketball court they found guys like that too and they found a coach that preaches that and they're experiencing success with it it's you know again that the culture aspect that that whole thing is a little bit of corporate speak it, it, it means something to the extent that it, it means whatever you want it to mean. But it's 
sort of like that, that famous Supreme Court saying. You don't know what culture and identity are, but you know it when you see it. And I think we can all see the effect that this, this, this has had on the Magic this year. Final question um, I, I want to I answer is from Michael Martin, who, who left this in our comments section. Are you surprised with how good defensively the Magic are in just two years of the front office drafts and first year under Steve Clifford? Do you think it's the main reason Orlando has the moment, momentum and a 15-game improvement from last season's win total? Um, I, I do. I am surprised how good this team's defense is. Um, you know, in a podcast earlier in the year, uh, we did a, I did over unders with Zach Oliver, and one of the over unders we had was defensive rating final ranking, and I set the over under at 15, middle of the league, and I took the under. Zach took the over. I thought the team would be better defensively for sure, and I thought I, I thought Clifford would would get the team better defensively, but honestly. I thought DJ Augustin would be too much of a weakness at the point guard position, and Nikola Vucevic would kind of remain a relatively poor defender. Both those predictions were wrong. And I think it's a credit to Steve Clifford and his schemes. I think it's a credit to the way the players have worked and committed to this, this style that they've turned themselves into one of the best defensive teams in the league. Uh, I, I really think that the way uh, you look at the playoff game against the Raptors, they played fantastic defense against one of the best offenses in the league fantastic defense. Like, really good defense. Even that shot Kawhi Leonard hit at the end. Really good defense. And they're doing it by scrambling, by playing together. And I think, again, it's a credit to to everyone on that roster that is committed to defense, that is committed to playing that particular style, that's committed to playing for each other. We didn't think they could be this good defensively. We've watched a lot of these players for multiple years. And they never were able to reach this level. Even under Scott Skiles, when they were better, they were never able to reach this level. And it's consistent every night. So one thing you really can count on is that their defense will be very good, at least in the half-court sets. And so, I, I am surprised at how good the Magic were defensively. Again, I thought they'd be better. I didn't think they'd be tough. I, I thought they'd flirt with being in the top half. I didn't think they'd be a clear top 10 defense. And that would be the propellant for them to make the playoffs. That they were the best defense in the league, essentially, after the All-Star break. Or one of the top five def- defenses in the league after the All-Star break. What the Magic have done this year is really incredible. We shouldn't take that for granted. Doing it again next year is going to be just as hard. But it's been a really nice surprise. And, and honestly... That defensive improvement is the reason the Magic are now in the playoffs. And that defense is the reason the Magic are now up 1-0 in their series. It's been an incredible effort from the players and from Steve Clifford. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Of course, follow us on Twitter at Locked on Magic. And subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, tune in all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast and listening device. Or follow us on the Himalaya app. You can always submit your your reader questions to us online. Just search, just uh, email them to me at omagicdaily at gmail.com or tweet them at me at omagicdaily. You can follow me again online on Twitter at philipr underscore omd. And for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. That's going to do it for me today, though. I want to thank you all again for listening. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Rossman Reich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic. 
You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 